I'd like to give you a very, very, very simple study tonight. I've, I almost was a little embarrassed driving over like, uh-oh, I'm going to insult their intelligence. This is too simple. But um, the Lord really just, I felt very led to this passage today. And I think it's important to prepare our hearts uh, with God's word because I want to have a little bit of time, a personal prayer at the end of our study uh, so we can kind of respond to what the Spirit has has shown us. Um, if you were here last week, you remember that we talked about insecurity and doubt and the two questions that we ask, which are why me and what if. And um, those two questions can really uh, dominate our thinking and dominate our faith and even uh, affect how we approach the Lord in prayer. Because if we're frustrated with our circumstances or we're um, thinking without complete confidence in the Lord, it can really kind of undermine our desire to trust, and it can undermine our desire to pray. But there is a simple fact uh, in the psalm that we're going to look at tonight, and it's Psalm 55, um, that is so uh, foundational that I think there are times, uh, or at least there are times in my own life, where I don't appreciate it enough, and I don't utilize it enough Um and yet it's it's really one of the greatest truths that we have that God has given us this very powerful and this very unending resource um, that at any time when we call on him, uh, that he will help us to overcome insecurity and fear and doubt and every other issue that we have. Over the past um, six months to a year, uh, and 2013 has been a real interesting year for a lot of us, right? Uh, it's been kind of a, a weird year. I'm looking forward to the next year. But over the past year, I've really come to appreciate uh, the reality of calling on the Lord at any time. Uh, and I want that to just kind of settle into you. I, I remember during a particularly stressful season uh, in the last year, I guess it was spring or early summer. I don't really know why it was stressful, um, but... I found myself, uh, whenever I woke up, whether it was the middle of the night, you know, sometimes you have that four o'clock here, and you're like, oh, I'm wide open now, here, I think I want to go back to sleep, or whether it was when the alarm went off. I, I found myself, because I was so stressed about things, and I was uh, carrying a lot, of, a lot of just anxiety, and a lot of things were going on uh, in my life, and in the church, and whatever, I found myself that as soon as I woke up, I started to pray. Nothing else kind of happened before that, because how many know if you, sometimes you wake up in the night, you're like, oh, I think I'll see if there's anything that posted in the middle of the night on Facebook. And some of you guys are up really late, by the way. I'm like, what in the world? I was up really late. I'm like, what in the world are they doing up? But, um, you know, sometimes you kind of roll over and there's your phone. You think I'll check and see if I got any emails from China, because that's the only person be sending me email in the middle of the night, or, or maybe I'll check my Facebook status or whatever. But, but instead of doing that, not that I have a smartphone, so my phone, I just look at it, but I started to to just instantly want to communicate with the Lord. As soon as my eyes just like, all right, Lord, I got to, I got to come and talk to you. I got to, I got to pray. And I would thank him for his love and his care or my, my window as I lay in bed looks out kind of east over the lake. Um, and I see the sunrise a lot of times or I'll see the sun starting to break. And I'm like, man, it's so beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Or, or I, or I, if I was really feeling anxious, uh, you know, I'd start to just say, all right, Lord, here's the day I got in front of me. And boy, oh boy, I need your help today. And I'd start to just lay that out for him. It, it almost became involuntary. 
it almost became like, okay, we were just having a conversation 10 minutes ago and I fell asleep and I just woke up, but let's continue the conversation. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but, but it's become now kind of more of a habit. And as I've started to do this more, I have found that it is very comforting and very reassuring that, that as I've been asleep, the Lord's been watching. And as I've been asleep, the Lord's been waiting. Not that he's desperate for my attention, but he's been waiting and he's ready. And as soon as I kind of, uh, okay, the sun's coming up and or I'm going to pray, he's right there. He's, it's not like I have to say, Hey, Lord, you there? Lord? Oh, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry, Paul. I was busy. I just like, give me five minutes. Come back to me in a second. I'm, I'm asleep after five minutes. You know, he's right there. He already knows what my day is going to be. He knows my schedule. He knows when I'm going to face conflict. He knows when I'm going to struggle. He knows when I'm going to be surprised by something or discouraged by something or encouraged by something. He knows who's going to be difficult. He knows what's going to be difficult. He knows what will stretch my faith. He knows what will challenge my spiritual endurance. And along with all that, he knows how to provide. And he knows how to protect me and you. And he already has mercy and provision that I can't anticipate yet because I don't know my day is going to be right. I know what my schedule is tomorrow, but I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Neither do you, right? You, you kind of have a basic structure for your day. I know I'm going to spend a lot of time in the car picking up my kids because my wife's out of town. But So I know general idea, but I have no idea. My day could change like that. He already knows what I'm going to need. And it's needed because I can't provide it for myself. Now, here's what I want to bring us to tonight. And again, this is going to be really, really simple. So stay with me, okay? You promise me you'll stay with me? All right. The fact is, we can call on the Lord at any time, and he's always there. That's basic, right? But isn't that an awesome truth? Think about that for a second. We can call on the Lord at any time, and he was always there. How many of you guys remember long-distance phone calls? Okay, I think everybody in the room is over 20, right? Everybody remember long-distance phone calls? Back in the days when you called somebody outside of your area code. Now, nobody talks about area codes now, right? Because if you were, oh, i got to call 704, that's going to cost me money, right? It was like 30 cents a minute. You remember those crazy, crazy days? You get the phone pull and you have your list of all your calls, 784 to Topeka. You're like, I don't know anybody in Topeka. Who did I call? Who called Topeka? And it was expensive. I remember when I was in college, and this is not that long ago, I used to call my parents once a week. In the payphone, I know, I'm dating myself here, at the payphone in the lobby of my dorm. And on Sunday nights, a lot of people would make calls, and you'd kind of line up and wait, and you'd have your stack of quarters, and you'd put your quarters in. Isn't this amazing? This was like 25 years ago. You'd put your quarters in, and you wait, and then it was long distance. And you're watching your watch going, I've only got 15 more minutes of quarters. And after a while, you were done. There was no texting. There was no email. There was no FaceTime. There was no Skype. We wrote letters and we talked to people periodically if they didn't live in our area code because it was expensive. Now, even though nobody under 20 has any kind of concept of what that was like, right? If you talk to your kids about that, they're like, how old are you? You know, it's like, are you 800 years old? What are you talking about? You had to pay phone and, 
they have no concept of that. And, and as incredibly strange as that is to them, there's something kind of oddly nostalgic about it, isn't there? there there's something kind of quaint about the fact that each call, here's my point, that each call had kind of more weight and value because there was a price to it. Communication now is cheap. It, it's, 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 um, it's devalued because at any time I can pick up my phone and call anybody. And if you have the right service plan, it doesn't cost you anything. And yet, who of us would trade and go back to that? Because what we can do now is so amazing. Julia Matter and Alabama, the other night, Matthew called and said, can we Skype? I'm like, sure. So I pulled up my laptop, which fits on my lap. It's a computer in my lap. Can you imagine? It used to be nobody had a computer. I know I sound like a really old man tonight. And it's got the little camera, and you press the button, and it dials, and there's my son's face from 740 miles away. In real time, there's no delay. I can see what he's doing. He can talk to me. He can smile. I get to see him. And I was even amazed because he was in the hospital room at the time, and he said, Dad, we're leaving now, and he's carrying Julie's iPhone, and we're walking down the hallway. Now, I... As quaint as it is that we used to pay money to make phone calls, I, I wouldn't go back because the benefit of the technology and the convenience of the technology gives me access to my family that would have been lessened without it. Now, while that concept of rare communication seems to have greater value, there's an even greater value at being able to see my son's face anytime I want, anywhere I want. Now, Transfer this to the spiritual principle. Think about this in terms of prayer. All we've ever known as believers is to have immediate and unfettered access to God. That just like we did earlier, we can close our eyes and say, Lord, and God's immediately there. We're in his presence. There's, there's no intervention. There's no thing we have to go through to get to him. We go right to his throne of grace. Now that wasn't always true, right? Because in the old Testament, people had to go to the priest and the priest made intercession for them. And when they needed forgiveness on the day of atonement, they would kill the lamb and they would take the blood and the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would put the blood on the mercy seat of the ark and he would make atonement for the people. So if they needed forgiveness, they had to take it to the priest and the priest had to go and make atonement for them. Hebrews 10 says that Christ has taken our place, uh, the place of the high priest, and now by his perfect and his final sacrifice for sins, that he has opened up now access to the mercy seat, that any time we want to go, we can go directly to the Lord to receive grace. But we're not only told we can do that, we're commanded as his children to go boldly and to go with confidence. And what is powerful about that is any time we go, the Lord is accessible. Now, I know we know that. I know we knew that coming in. But I want you to stop and let that fall into your heart. Anytime we go, God is accessible. He's never busy. He's never distracted. He's never preoccupied. He's never uninterested. Now, we're going to look at three very simple truths to that in a moment, but knowing that truth at the outset, how does that change how we pray? 
I don't know what your habits are in terms of prayer, but I know from my own life how very easy it is to be too busy and too absorbed to make time to pray. Or we can get so stressed and so anxious about things that even knowing I, I should stop and call on the Lord, I should I should take time to pray right now. Sometimes we keep plowing forward. We think, well, all right, let me just knock a couple more things off the list. How many know this is true? Uh, knock a couple more things off the list. If I could just ease the stress of all that I have to do, then about 9 o'clock I'm going to get some quality time and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to call on the Lord. And you know what happens? At about 10.30 we finally sit down it's like... <sighs> And we start to pray and we get distracted. And Well, let me check my Facebook first before I pray because I just got to be connected. Maybe there's a prayer. I mean, we start to justify all these things. When God is saying, just stop and pray. And what will help us in this time is to fully understand just how sure God's promises are. We're about to read. I was struck again today as I read this psalm, just how easy the truth is. We complicate it, but God's promises are just as they are. Look at the text. We're just going to read a couple verses here. Chapter 55 of the book of Psalms, verse 16. As for me, I will call upon the Lord and the Lord will save me. Now stop there just for a second. Think about how wonderful that truth is. As for me, I'll call on the Lord and he'll save me. Period. That's an incredible, incredible truth. Look at verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I'll complain and murmur and he'll hear my voice. He'll redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me, for they are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them, even the one who sits enthroned from of old, with whom there is no change and who do not fear God. He's put forth his hands against those who are at peace with him. He's violated his covenant. In other words, they have not kept their word with him. His speech was smoother than butter. This is talking about people that are rebelling. His heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he'll sustain you. Another great promise. He'll never allow the righteous to be shaken. Another great promise. But you, O God, will bring them, evildoers, down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Now, as I said, three simple truths in three of the verses. Truth number one. The Lord is always watching over us and he's always available to us. The Lord is always watching over us and he's always available to us. Stop and think about how amazing that reality is. The God of the universe, the one who set the stars in the sky, the one who controls all things, the one who has dominion and power and authority, who has the keys to death and hell and the keys to heaven, the one who is awesome and wonderful and beyond any understanding that we can possibly have, who is so bigger than we can comprehend and who presides over our lives in ways we can't imagine, that that God is ready to listen when I call on him. That when I say, Lord, I need to bring something to you, he's like, I'm right there. I'm right with you. You don't have to wait. You don't have to have somebody intervene. 
I will listen when you call. David puts it very simply in Psalm 121. He says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip and he will keep you. He will never slumber or sleep and he'll guard your going out and your coming in. In other words, there is not one thing in your life right now the Lord doesn't know about. There's not one thing he's not aware of and he's ready to help and he promises that when you trust me and you ask me, I will help and I will not disappoint you. My help will never be insufficient. My help will never be weak. David even says the Lord will save me. It's a very strong word. I was interested what that meant in the Hebrew language. It means to be freed, delivered and be victorious. Now read the verse again with that in mind. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord will free me deliberately and make me victorious. In other words, when we call on the Lord, it's not just like, all right, Rhodes, man, you're a piece of work. You are so inconsistent and you don't have faith like you should and you're not obedient. So I tell you what I'll do. I'll help you and I'll kind of kind of encourage you, kind of help you get by. And, and and you know what? If you can get your act together, then I'll really help you. Does God ever speak to us that way? As for me, I'll call on the Lord. And when I call on the Lord, he will free me, deliver me, and make me victorious. He will help me to such an extent that I will feel absolutely delivered from whatever is stressing me, whatever is making me anxious, whatever is a burden on me, whatever is wearing on me. He will pull me away from that and give me joy. And that's especially valuable when we find ourselves under the weight of a problem where we're not only feeling the pressure, but we're feeling kind of emotionally discouraged. Look back at verses 2 to 5 for a second. Look how David describes himself. He says, I'm restless. I'm under pressure. I'm anguished. I'm terrified. I'm fearful. I'm trembling. And I'm overwhelmed with horror. Anybody think David's in a good place right here? Look at the adjectives. Restless, under pressure, anguish, terrified, fearful, trembling, overwhelmed with horror. But you notice that by verse 16, okay, that was verses 2 to 5, but by verse 16, after he's called on the Lord, not only does he know that God will answer and save him, but he says, even those who are striving to do right with me are going to be encouraged. In other words, as I pray and have confidence in the Lord, and as you pray and have confidence in the Lord, we encourage each other, and God helps both of us. And we're striving together to do what's right, right? That's why you're here tonight. That's why you made an effort to come to a prayer meeting, because you're striving to do what's right. You're striving to understand how the Lord can help. So we strive together. As we pray, God helps us. So anytime we pray, God's available. Truth number two. There is power in calling on the Lord at all times. Look back at verse 17 and how David describes his behavior here. He says, every evening, every morning, and at noon, I'll complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. Now, there are two thoughts here. First of all, our prayer should be frequent. Our prayer should be frequent. We need to maintain a constant attitude and habit of prayer. It really, when we wake up, and I'm learning this, I've been saved almost 40 years. I'm just now learning that as soon as my eyes open, I should be calling on the Lord. 
As soon as my eyes open, I should say, Lord, thank you that you're present. Thank you that you've watched over me all night. Thank you that I have breath this morning, that I woke up. Thank you for this warm bed. Thank you for the strength and assurance that you're going to give me today because I'm weary. Thank you for comforting me. Thank you for, I mean, listen, we don't even have to make a list. Just start thanking him. So it should be our first thought. David says in Psalm 119, 148, I anticipate, I look forward to the night watches. That's the middle of the night. So I can meditate on God's word. The implication is, He was communicating with the Lord in the quiet of the night. He was meditating on the word. So he's listening to the spirit speak to him because that's part of prayer. And he was thanking God and casting his care back on the Lord. Jeremiah says the same thing in Lamentations 2. He says, arise, cry aloud of the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord and lift up your hands to him. When was the last time you're laying in bed and you just lifted up your hands to God? It's kind of like, what are you doing over there? Why do you? But think about a child. What happens when a child cries in the night? Eh, you walk in, you're like stub your toe, and you're like, oh, I can't believe the kid's crying. And you walk in, and the kids stand there, and they do this. It's the exact same concept. Cry out to me and lift up your hands to me. Why? Because that's a position of complete dependence. And God says, when you cry out to me, it should be frequent. Even in the middle of the night when you wake up, you should cry out to me. So we need to pray constantly. David talks about praying throughout the day, evening, morning, and noon. Listen, we need three meals a day, right? Most of us. We eat three times. I eat four or five times, little snacks here and there. If I need three meals a day to sustain me, how much more do I need to pray to sustain my walk? Can't just be, well, Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for this meal. Amen. And that's it. Really? With the God of the universe who calls, who comes whenever we cry? He says every morning, every evening, at noontime. And I read some commentaries today and they're like, well, David had three set prayer times a day. I'm like, no, you misinterpreted that text. I don't think David's saying at 8 o'clock every night and at 8 o'clock every morning and right at noon I'm going to pray like I'm a Muslim praying five times a day. David is saying all throughout the day I pray. Every time I think of the Lord, I call on him. So prayer should be frequent. Second, prayer should be fervent. We need to fully emotionally engage when we pray. Look at David's words. He says, I pray and cry aloud. When was the last time you and I literally prayed with tears? When was the last time we cried out to the Lord? We said, Lord, help me. I am in distress. Not for show. Not because volume is more holy, right? Volume is never more holy. But that doesn't mean every prayer should be, Lord, thank you so much for all you've done for me. There is a time when we pray where we need to cry out to God, where there needs to be a focused intensity, where our heart is stirred and we're emotionally wrought and we say, Lord, there is no help but from you. I need you to help me. And we start praying like that. God looks at us and he says, all right, I want to see that you're crying out to me. Many times in scripture, prayer is described as a cry. Doesn't mean you have to shed tears. It simply means that there is a passion and a fervency. Now, why don't we do that? Well, because we're embarrassed. 
So we're embarrassed. Well, if I pray like that, well, somebody might think I'm kind of wacky. And partly because we don't often give ourselves fully emotionally when we pray. We hold back a little bit. Well, Lord, if it's your will, Lord, if you could help me, Lord, please, um, please just, just try to do. No, we need to invest ourselves fully. Lord, everything is yours. You control everything. I need your help. And I am laying it all at your feet. I will not hold on to it. This has got to be of you. If Pastor Hassan is going to get saved, it has to be the Lord. Danny's done her part. We've done our part. We pray. Now the Lord's got to do the work. And we've got to cry out to him and say, Lord, do this. Maybe that's where we need to start because it brings an honesty and a dynamism to prayer that David says, when we cry out to the Lord, he hears our voice. A baby in the middle of the night, when they cry, they get your attention, right? If the baby just sits there and whimpers, I'm asleep. I'm sorry. I am. I need sleep. But if the baby starts to cry and call for attention, you go and you help. So God says, cry to me. Last thought, we'll pray. Verse 18, verse 22. The Lord promises that his children will have peace and not be shaken when we cast our care in him. Look at those two verses, verses 18 and 22. When we pray, the Lord answers with peace. Think about that. When we pray, God responds with peace. David describes it as delivering my soul in peace from the battle. Now, the meaning here is that even in battle, for David, it was literal. For us, it's emotional battle. It's spiritual battle. It's relational battle. Sometimes it is a physical or literal battle. He says, when we cry on the Lord, he gives us comfort that makes us feel like we were never in danger. Now think about that. Lord, I'm in battle right now. The devil's hitting me or there's a relationship that's fractured and it's not being made right. And and Lord, I'm going to call on you. And God says, I'm going to work in such a way that you're never going to feel that you were in battle in the first place. And I will give you victory over that. He says in Isaiah 26, he will keep the person whose mind is steadfast in faith in perfect peace. Philippians 4 says that when we cast our care on him, that his peace guards our heart and mind. I don't know about you, but I need some guarding of my heart and mind to have peace. So this is the promise of God. You remember, let me tell this and we'll pray. You remember in 1 Kings chapter 6 when Elisha's in Dothan and he's with his servant and all the armies of Aram come down to take him and they're in the house and they're looking up at the mountains and I, and, and Elisha sees the chariots of fire. We preached about it, studied about it four or five months ago. Remember that passage? Not if you do, if you're still awake, okay? So, so Elisha's in the house with his servant. The servant's like, what are we going to do? Elisha's like, no. There are more of us than there are of them. And he says, God, open his eyes. And the servant looks and he sees chariots of fire and horses of fire all around the surrounding army. That is what God does when we pray. When the enemy's attacking and he's lying and he's accusing and he's confronting and he's creating a battle, we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, open my eyes so I can see what you are doing and how you are sufficient for all my needs. Because look at the last verse, verse 22. When 
that happens when we let go of everything and put our cares on him. He says, you will not be shaken. The word means you won't slip. You won't be moved. You will not fall. Throw away your care. And when you do that, I will not let you slip. I will not let you fall. I've been watching you every second. When you've called, I've responded. When you've needed, I've provided. When you can't see what's going on, I'll show you. But when you cast it away, when you let go and give it to me, I will not let you slip. How many know that's a true promise tonight? Anybody know that's true? That's not false, right? God can't break his promises. So when we pray, we can have that confidence. When we pray, we can know God will respond, there will be power, and we will have peace. Let's close our eyes. I want to just take a couple minutes. We've got time now. Let's just take a couple minutes before we dismiss. And I want you, I want to encourage you, let me say, to go before the Lord right now with your greatest needs. You've probably been praying about them. But right now, cast them away. Put them in the Lord's hands because he knows exactly what you need. And he says, if you call on me and you cast it away, I will provide. Lord, it's with joy tonight that we can pray with confidence based on your promises. And Lord, you know every single detail more than we even do of what has just been brought before you and cast away from us. You know exactly how to minister, exactly how to provide, exactly how to give us confidence, how to take fear from our hearts, how to pull anxiety away from us, how to encourage us. Because, Lord, the very simple promise is that when we call, you answer. You are always available. And, Lord, even in the middle of the night tonight, as we wake up, you will be there waiting ready to hear from us, ready to communicate with us. And Lord, that is a powerful and amazing truth. We don't understand it, but we're grateful for it. Lord, I pray you would ease the burden of every person in this room, of the thing that is most bringing them down, is most discouraging them, is creating fear and anxiety in their hearts. Lord, that you would free us of that and that we would see your powerful hand work right now in our midst. Lord, continue, we pray, to fill us with confidence because we're a fragile people, Lord. We we think about ourselves and we uh, live in fear and we don't know uh, how to do things and yet we try to put on a good face and think that we do. But Lord, break us of that self-sufficiency and show us your sufficiency in a powerful new way. And Lord, we're going to tell stories about that as we see that happens. We're going to tell each other about that. And we're going to proclaim your greatness in our lives. So, Lord, I pray for a fresh awakening in our hearts tonight that as we leave, we'll go forward with confidence that we'll be spending more time with you in prayer and asking you for your help and seeing you minister to us. Lord, we praise you in advance for what you're about to do. We praise you for what you're going to do because we know you're going to work. And, Lord, we cry out to you and ask you for help knowing when we do, you'll help. 
Thank you for this truth tonight, Lord. Thank you for the time we've had together to praise you and call on your name. Encourage us, Lord, as we go. And we thank you for your goodness in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for coming tonight. I hope you've been encouraged and strengthened. The Lord is good, isn't he? And he is so faithful to us. And I hope that will be your confidence all throughout the week. Please be in prayer for these events that are coming up. This is a potentially huge time to see people's lives really changed. So let's be in prayer, okay?